I get the privilege and honor of bringing a word to you this morning and sharing with you what God's laid on my heart. You know, before I jump in, um, I'll share this. I, I heard a pastor friend of mine years and years ago. He said, you know, I can hear, I, I can study God's word on my own whenever I want. I can get more information in lots of different places. But when I hear a pastor preach, this is my friend, he said this to me, when I hear a pastor preach, I want to hear something prophetic. I want to hear something, what God is speaking now. Not just information, not just good solid truths to build my life upon, but what actually is coming out of God's mouth right now into my life, into the world right now. And so ever since he said that years ago, I was like, yes, that's what it is. I, I can listen to all kinds of different sermons and I love them all, but there's something about it when I hear a pastor preach and it's the anointed word of God for that moment. Is that making sense? That there's always God's word, it never returns void. Every single word on this page is full of power and truth, is anointed by the Holy Spirit. But there's something about when a pastor's preaching what I need to hear. That's like, oh, he's confirming what the Holy Spirit is already speaking to me. And that's, when he said that, I was like, yes, that's, that's what I want to do on Sunday mornings. I don't want to just give you good information. I don't want to just get up here and read God's word. I want it to be the now word of the Lord. I want it to be the rhema word of God. And so that's been my prayer this week is that God speaks something to each one of us, that it's not just information, it's not just good truths, but that he's confirming something. He's speaking something new maybe that he's going to confirm later on, but that we recognize the voice of God. And um, that's where I want to go this morning is before I jump into the meat of this message is just kind of speak to that God is constantly speaking. He's constantly communicating to us. He's constantly revealing himself to us. But do we have ears and eyes? Are we recognizing? Are we perceiving? Do we understand when God is trying to communicate to us? And so um, part of what I did this morning, if you didn't see it when you, grabbed, when you came in, hopefully you grabbed a piece of paper that has some blanks that you get to fill in to take some notes. Um, if you didn't grab a journal, you can grab a journal. Um, I have no problem if you already have two at home, you want to grab a third one, grab it. Um, we've got these. I'd rather than be used than sit on the shelf um, collecting dust. Um, if you are someone who doesn't journal your prayers or your time with God, then that's all the more you should grab one of those because it should be a reminder that things we can do in our lives, different tools, different resources. And um, I want to talk to you about how God speaks to us in sometimes different ways. And there's different flavors. There's different... Um, oh, I was thinking about this. I shared, I think, a few years ago um, how... God spoke to me, and you might think this is strange. I thought it was kind of strange. God spoke to me in my work truck one day. I was flipping through stations in a country. I went to a country music uh, station, and the country music came on, and right away I was like, oh, I'm changing the station. Not my preference. That wasn't just, I didn't grow up listening to it. I didn't have an appreciation for it. And so I was like, nah, I don't want to listen to country music, right? But I heard the word of the Lord to me specifically. This wasn't like from God's holy word. It was just my relationship with God. And I heard that still small voice, Ryan, turn back to the country music. I was like, what? Country music? What? And I went back to it. And then I heard the Lord say, you need to grow an appreciation for this kind of music. And I was like, for what? Like, what's the purpose, God? Like, how is country music going to help my ministry? But I was like, in my right mind, in my own logic, my own understanding, it didn't make sense. But I recognized the word of the Lord. I know my shepherd's voice. So I didn't have to understand it. That's my favorite verse in the, in the foyer, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So I didn't have the understanding for it, but I recognized my shepherd's voice. All right. So for the next, I don't know how many weeks it went by, I forced myself to listen to country music. 
then gets to listen to sermons. Like, shouldn't I be listening to other sermons in God's word? But instead, I listen to country music. Why am I saying all this? Because I finally, after several weeks, I don't know how long it took, I finally heard a song I'd heard a couple times, and I caught myself singing it. And I caught myself, like, tapping my foot to it. I was like, I like a country music song. I was like, ah, oh, I can say I like country music. And as soon as that came out of my mouth, God's like, all right, you don't have to listen to country music anymore. Because he was teaching me something. Sometimes I have preferences. Sometimes I have bents toward things. And I say, well, I don't like that. And God's saying, Ryan, it's time to mature. Like my kids, I'll pick on my kids, right? I know in raising four kids, there's times where I, I tell them, try this new food. And it doesn't look like something they're going to like. And so like, oh, ugh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm like, you haven't even tasted it. And you're saying you don't like it. You can't do that. That's a sign of immaturity. And I feel like the Lord is saying, Ryan, there's things in your life where you say, oh, I don't care for that. Oh, I don't like that. In the church. I can say, oh, I won't even name it. Denominations, you know, different. Oh, I don't like the way they do that. Oh, I don't like the way they do that. And God's like, how dare you, Ryan? That's so immature. There's things that God is doing in all different churches. To me, God is moving in those things. And so for me, I got to get over my preferences. I got to get over my things and realize God is speaking in so many different ways. I love that God sometimes speaks to me through, I'll say, an intellectual book, something that is like high thinking. My brain is hurting like a guy... Um, um, my sister used to work for this company where there's reasons to believe where this guy is an astrophysicist and he's talking about creation like in galaxies far away and like it hurts my brain to think about these big things he's talking about. But it was good for me to try to stretch my brain and understand God in a different way. And I love, um, I'm not super creative, but I, I'm, I've learned, okay, I can watch someone um, dance. I, I grew up in this church where there was a dance ministry and there was, uh, my wife led the dance ministry for a long time. And I can remember, I was like, I'm not really getting anything out of that. Like, okay, there's kids up there like moving their legs and hands. Like, what does that do? Like, that doesn't do anything for me, God. And I just learned to say, you know what? But I can have an appreciation. I can learn to enjoy that. I can learn to see God in that. I can learn. And so for me, there's things where off the get-go, I don't have a preference for it. But praise God, he matures us and grows us to actually see how he can communicate in a variety of ways. And I love when I read through scripture, God is talking or revealing himself in so many different ways. Sometimes he shows up physically, right? Garden of Eden, Genesis, it says that he would come in the cool of the breeze and he would walk with them and talk with them. Um, there's times where I could just keep going through in the Old Testament where Joshua saw uh, the angel of the Lord. Some could say that could be Jesus himself that showed up. Um, uh, Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. Was it Jesus himself, right? There's different things where Jesus shows up physically, where they could see him. Uh, we had uh, Pastor Ramin Parsa come here several years ago, where he was in Iran, grew up in a Muslim country, and barely heard one little thing about the gospel, and began to pray, Jesus, if you are actually a son of God, can you reveal yourself to me? He had a full-on vision where he, Jesus came into his room several years ago in, in Iran. So it's not like it's just the Old Testament. God continues to reveal himself in powerful ways, I've never seen the physical image of Jesus. I've actually never seen, I've had other people in this room, I've had uh, family members and friends tell me they've seen angels. I've never got the benefit of seeing an angel before. But I believe them because I read it in God's word and it says angels showed up. He talked about Abraham this morning. Um, angels showed up and talked to Abraham. Angels showed up and talked to um, Mo, uh, Joseph and Mary, right? They had dreams. I love that. When I read God's word, he's constantly communicating through dreams, through visions, through the still small voice, through a pillar of fire, through cloud, through nature, through a dove, right? We can just keep going on and on. God reveals himself in so many different ways. And I'm just saying, God, I want all of it. 
I don't want just my own devotional time when I'm reading the written word of God to be the only way that God speaks to me. I want him to speak to me in that still small voice, through worship, through, I'll say an angel, I'll be one of those strange weird people. I'm I'm not trying to go search after strange doctrine and go be strange people. That's not my goal for us to be strange. At the same time, I have no problem being labeled strange. Um, I remember when I got up here, one of the first sermons I preached, I can remember all some of my first sermons, and one of the first ones I, I talked about was, I hear the voice of God. And I remember some people in this church, this is several years ago, probably 12, 13 years ago, people were like, well, that sounds kind of strange, right? It sounds like the movie, The Sixth Sense, like, I see dead people, right? You're making it sound weird, Pastor. And I'm like, yeah, it is kind of weird. For people that aren't in the church, people don't have a relationship with atheists, you think you hear God? Like, you're just a little human being. You think you hear God of all creation? That's pretty strange. I'm like, yep, if that's strange, that's me. I, I know my shepherd's voice, and I'm getting to know it more and more in different ways. And I love that. I love how um, Pastor Nick, his, one of his favorite books of the Bible is Song of Solomon, where it's a very love, flowy, um, I'll say, um, I don't know, uh, artsy way of God communicating. Okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, I remember the first time I read, I'm just being real and honest with you, first time I read a Max Lucado book, I was like, it's a little too flowery for my take. Like, like he's saying good things, but it's just too, like, too many you know, adjectives and adverbs. Like, just get to the point. And I'm like, but I love, I can read a Max Lucado book, and I can love it now. Some people, they don't like the Passion Translation because it's kind of like a Max Lucado. It's like, sometimes I read it in New King James, and I'll read it in Passion Translation. I'm like, you're losing me, dude. Like, uh, what's his name? Brian Simmons? Is that his name? Sometimes like, Brian, too many words. Like, I'm, I, what was the point of the whole verse? Because there's too many flowery things. So I'm being hard on the Passion Translation this morning. <gasps> but I read it to you all the time. Because I love it. There's things where I've just learned to get past my preferences. And I'm just saying, I feel like the Lord wants to do that this morning. He wants to grow us up and mature us. That we can get lost in worship and say, well, I'm not really a, a song person. Okay, become a song person. Well, I, I'm not really someone who takes notes, Pastor. Become a person who takes notes. You know, it's, we can always change. I love that word change. We sing that song, change, change. That's a word of the Lord, change. It's not just repent where you're actually, you know, you're actively sinning, doing something wrong, and then you change and do the opposite. That can be repent. But I, the word repent When John the Baptist was saying, repent, repent, he actually was getting people to change their way of thinking. He was preparing them to say, you've been reading the Old Testament and the the law of Moses for hundreds and thousands of years. He goes, but I'm telling you, the Messiah is about to come. And if you don't have a changed understanding, you're not going to recognize the Messiah when he comes. So it wasn't, he was talking to people that were listening to the word of God. We're following it. We're reading it. We're memorizing it. We're serving God. And he's saying, no, actually, you need to change your understanding. Change your preferences. Change what you like so that you can actually recognize when Jesus shows up. That's a good word, right? That's still what God is doing today. I feel like before Jesus returns, his second coming, there's that same word of the Lord to us. Start changing the way you think. Start changing your preferences. Start being open-minded to God doing something different, right? Those scholars, those Pharisees and scribes and Pharisees, right? They understood God's word, and yet they didn't recognize Jesus. And I'm saying, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be so stuck in my way that I miss the new thing that God is doing. I'm not letting go of God's word. I'm not saying I just throw this out the door. No, everything is rooted. Jesus fulfilled scripture, right? 
we go through that whole testimony, right, of how many hundreds of prophecies he fulfilled, right? He opened up uh, on the road to Emmaus, those two disciples. It says he opened up their understanding. He opened up the scriptures so they could actually see Jesus and recognize him as the Messiah. That's what I'm saying. Lord, open up my understanding. Change my thinking. And so the title of this morning's message, I don't have slides for you. I have on that paper. The title of this morning's message, what's on the top of the paper? I'm having dreams. I'm saying that as a true statement myself as the pastor. I'm having dreams. I also wrote the title of this message because I'm saying it's prophetic. It came out of your mouth. You're having dreams. I'm having dreams. I'll give you my own personal testimony. One of the ways God has been speaking to me those last several years is through dreams. And it is biblical. We could go through. I don't have all the information in front of you this morning. But read the Bible. God speaks in dreams. Read the Christmas story. We're coming up to Christmas how many dreams did Joseph have? He kept having these dreams, and God was speaking to him, right? So the dreams happen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why am I saying this? Because before I was a pastor, I was serving God. I grew up in this church. I love God. Before I became a pastor, I couldn't tell you one God dream that I had. I probably had some. I just don't remember them. But since I became pastor several years ago, it's like sometimes it's, it's a deluge, I've been trying to record some of my dreams. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had like three dreams in one night. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I had a dream every single night of the week. I'm trying to keep up with all these dreams. I'm like, God, sometimes it's too many dreams. I can't actually process them. And I'm not sharing this to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying, I am believing God wants to communicate to all of us in an increased manner. That he's saying, I want to give you dreams. I want to give you visions. I want to give you an increased awareness of the still small voice. I want you to have angelic visitation. I want you to have whatever is on display in God's word. I want it. And I want you to have it. And I'm saying that, why am I saying I'm having dreams? Because I'm going to share with you a dream I had just about a little over a week ago. And I believe it was a God dream. And I'll kind of give you some more explanation. I've had dreams. One of the first several dreams I had, I woke up. And literally, I could feel my, I thought physically my heart was outside of my chest. Like, it was just booming, blah, 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 super fast and super pronounced. I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to go to the hospital. Super pounding. I was in a dead sweat. And I woke up. I was like, awake in the middle of the night, wide awake. Like, oh, my goodness, that was a God dream. Okay, I've had one of those. I'll tell you, the majority of my dreams are not that way. I don't wake up that way. I wake up in the morning, start brushing my teeth, getting ready for the day. I'm like, oh, I had a dream last night. Oh, was that a God dream? And then... Other times, it's, I wake up in the middle of the night just to roll over, and I was like, I think I had a dream. Oh, I better get up and go record that. I'm learning to steward and think about, I have dreams. I should do something about that. That's God speaking to me. And so this last dream I had about a little over a week ago, it was one of those dreams where I woke up, knew nothing about it, and as the day went on, I was like, wait a second. Someone said something. I was like, I had a dream last night. And so I had to go back and process and try to do my best in my natural mind to remember what was God saying, what was the dream about, and so I'll share it with you, um, and I'll kind of explain some of it as the message goes on. Um, but the dream I had, I was at my dad's house, Rick Donnelly sitting right there. I was at my dad's house, and I won't interpret the whole dream, but I'll give you a little clue. I've been learning as I've had dreams for the last several years, whenever my dad shows up in the dream, nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, it's God. He's my father. And so he, God is speaking to me, yeah, I'm your dad, Ryan. And so in my dream, I'm learning, okay, what are you saying to me, God? So anyways, I'm at my dad's house. Maybe you can put a little more together there. I'm at my dad's house, and we're fixing the floor. He's going to get a brand new floor, and we're working on the subfloor. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I, I want to jump in on and help him, help my dad um, get the floor ready, you know, get everything ready for the new floor to go on top. 
And um, as I, I, in this dream, I jump down on my hands and my knees and I'm getting ready and I grab a piece of wood and I grab the piece of wood to get, you know, nail it in. I look at the wood and it was a broken piece of wood. And it actually was kind of like wood rot. It was old and it, was, it wasn't a whole like big two by four. And I was like, oh, I, I don't want to use this. And I started looking. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of broken. And so I remember in my dream, I told my dad, hey, we need a new piece of wood. Like we need a, a full two by four. Like this is going to be, we need something new, right? This is what we need. And in my dream, my dad says, no, let's just use what we have. It's like, uh, okay. And so in my dream, I was like, okay, grabbed, I kept grabbing different pieces of wood, and they were all broken, and they all weren't whole pieces. And I'm like, this is not going to support the floor. Like, in my own understanding, this is not working. Like, Dad, what are you thinking? This is not going to be a good thing. And so these broken pieces, I'm like, all right, he said to use it. So I grabbed the first piece. And I was trying to figure out how to attach it and nail it. I'm like, that's not going to work. And I flipped it over. And then I remember in the dream, my dad said, nope, not like that. Okay. Rotate the whole thing. Nope, not like that. Okay. Grab another piece. Nope, not like that. Finally, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. And in my dream, my dad came over and said, like this. And actually, I can't tell you what he did. I wish I could tell you that he, like, touched it and it magically became something. In my dream, he just came over to help me. And he grabbed part of it, and he attached it, and then I woke up. Oh, I wish I could tell you what the whole dream meant, right? Seems like I'm hanging right there. But what's so cool is I told you I had to remember the dream. I had to record it. I had to think about it. I had to talk to the Lord about it. And as the day went on, actually, it might have been the very next day, during worship, I was just spending time worshiping the Lord, and it wasn't, again, this, I've never had, some of you have had visions where it's like very vivid, it's like a movie going in front of your screen. Like, I haven't had something that vivid before in a, in a vision. But it was just this thought that came into my head that I kind of saw this raised platform that was this beautiful wood floor all finished. And I saw these young people running on this raised floor. I was like, that's kind of a weird thought. Like, I'm in the middle of worshiping you, God. Why does this thought come in my head? I was like, oh. Oh, this is that. Like, that's the finished product of the dream. Like, I had a dream, and we were working on the floor, and that was the finished product of this flooring all done. And it wasn't just now one room of the house. It was going on and on, and it was huge. It wasn't just a house. It was like, almost like in heaven, right? Eternity, there was just this wood that was beautiful, and there was this younger generation running on it. And um, it's like, wow, that's incredible. I can explain some of the dream to you now, but what I want to do on purpose is get to those notes. Because for me, God was speaking things to me, confirming things to me in my own personal walk with the Lord that I feel like I don't get to share with all of you this morning. But there are things here that I do get to share with you. And I love that God is so good that this maybe strange, weird dream, he confirms it through his written word. I don't ever want us to think that God speaks to us that is anti-biblical. If you get a dream, you get a vision, you get a word from God that doesn't line up with God's word, it ain't from God. I'm not adding to this. That dream was not something that I'm adding to. I love that when I now days and days and go by and I'm reading my own devotional time and now as I'm reading, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is that. I'm reading from Zechariah and there's things in there that God is like, that's the dream. That's you, Ryan. That's this, that's this, that's this, that, this is that, that is this, this is that. Oh, so I love that he confirms those things. So, jumping into now our, our notes, Zechariah. This is, to me, what God wants to speak to some of us this morning. Maybe he's already speaking to you, but this is some more what he wants to say. Zechariah 1.16, you got to fill in your first blank, you guys ready? I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts. 
my house. So if you're filling in blanks, you're taking notes, house. You can also do things besides just the blanks I give you. You can write in different things. Um, but what I want you to that first point is, the Lord is saying he's building his house with mercy. We get to build his house with him with mercy. There's your next blank, mercy. As you maybe were picking up in the dream, my dad had broken pieces to work with. And he said, all right, we're going to build with broken pieces. We're going to have mercy. We're not going to use a whole piece. We're going to use a part of a piece, a fractured piece. And it's amazing how that lines up with so many other truths in God's word. That I am broken. That I'm not whole. That I need help. That praise God, he uses broken pieces. That as your pastor... I didn't have everything put together. You guys were merciful towards me when I became the pastor of this church. There were people who were like, oh, no, Pastor Ryan's become the lead pastor. Oh, no. Like, I, I know. You guys have been honest with me. Some of you had those very thoughts. Like, oh, I'm not sure where the church is headed. Or I don't know if he's quite up to it. He's not ready. He's not fully developed. Right? He's only part of the piece. And I'm saying yes and amen to all those statements. But praise God, he uses broken pieces. God uses broken pieces. I thank God that God's telling me the same thing. Sometimes I want, I don't want to start a ministry. I don't want to start doing something until all the pieces are there and everything's ready to go and this is definitely the word of the Lord and everything's all put together. Okay, now we can move forward. And God is saying, well, sometimes you got to be merciful. Sometimes I like to use broken things, right? I love the story of David. Because David himself, if you remember the very beginning of the story of David as a little shepherd boy, the story starts off that his dad doesn't even call him. As the prophet Samuel comes and says, all right, one of your sons is going to be the next king, right? And David's not even brought in. All of his brothers are. So he's... He's part of the broken family. If you read into the story, he was born to a different mother. There's things that were broken and fractured in his family. His brothers, they didn't get along. And so his dad's like, you know what? Maybe let's not bring David. He's a half-brother. He's probably not who God wants anyways, right? Let's not bring him in. But what does the Lord tell Samuel? Samuel sees the oldest and says, oh, this one's going to be the king. And God's like, nope, nope, nope. I don't look at the outward. I look at the inward, Right? I actually like using broken pieces. God likes to use broken people and broken pieces. And so David is this broken person. And as you see, his life developed. And he's anointed king. And he kills Goliath. And man, everything's going his direction to become the next king. And then he's an outcast. King Saul wants to kill him. So he's got to flee for his life. And he's hiding in caves. And he joins 300 other outcasts. Misfits. Broken people, people that weren't accepted in society. And so now 300 plus one are together. And God's like, you know what? Let's do something with these broken people. And as you read the story of David, they become his 300 mighty men. Maybe this is offensive to some of you. I say it half jokingly. You're my mighty men getting ready to be in progress. You're the misfits that God wants to bring into mighty things. Praise God, I'm right there with you. I'm the broken David that doesn't know what he's doing, that's about to, that I'm already anointed king and I'm trying to figure it out. 
and that we're all in this together and that we're the broken pieces that God's saying, yeah, I like to use you guys. I like Osmeywood Church because they see themselves as a bunch of broken people that just need the Lord. They can't do it on their own. So David's 300 mighty men, if you didn't know how to fill that in, David's 300 mighty men, that's just a, a reminder that God sees us as mighty, that God wants to do incredible things, but it starts off with him liking to use broken pieces. So next one, I'm, I'm just, I don't know, being rude. There's some other things in Zechariah that I'm not sharing this morning that are so good. I wish I could share with you because it's so for me. Uh, but this is what I'm supposed to give to you this morning. Um, and I hope it makes you a little jealous. Actually, I, I do. I use that word jealous. I was, this thought came to my mind if I came up here in front and said, I'm having lots of dreams. And some of you in this room have never had a dream. You're like, well, thanks, Pastor. I wish I had a dream. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to be arrogant. I didn't want to come across as like, well, you guys don't get dreams. I do, ha-ha. I didn't want to come across that way. But I felt like, in a sense, there is such thing as a holy jealousy. Actually, it says in Zechariah that the Lord is jealous for his people. There can be a good jealousy. And so I'm hoping that I provoke something within some of you that have never had a dream. You're like, I want a dream. Good. I want you to ask God for that. I want you to have dreams. I want you to ask for those things. So the second one, Zechariah 4, 6. Some of you in this room, you can help me fill in the blanks as we read it out loud, right? Ready? This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by, nor by, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So the point is, what I get out of this is, we are to build without, your next blank, more. You don't need more of anything. In the dream, I thought I needed more whole pieces. I was like, how am I going to make this work? And I remember in the dream, my dad in the dream, he said, let's just use what we got. That was his word to me. Let's not go out and get more. Let's just see what we already have and make it work. You already have what you need. You don't need more of anything. Not by might, not by power. It's actually when you have no strength, when you feel weak, he's like, ah, perfect. Now you recognize that it's not by your might, that it's not by your power. It's only going to be by my spirit. That my strength is actually perfected in your weakness. Once you recognize your weakness, once you recognize that you can't do it, oh, good, now I can use you. Hmm. I have that in there, Exodus 4, 2. This is not a commercial, what's in your wallet? That's not the blank. Do not put wallet. Exodus 4, 2. This is a conversation between Moses and God. And God is trying to get Moses to do what he's asking him. Moses, you are to be a deliverer. Moses, I want you to go do this. And Moses keeps saying, I can't. I don't have enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm not gifted enough. It's not, you picked the wrong person. He's giving all the excuses of, I don't have enough. I don't have what it takes. You picked the wrong person, right? I'm so guilty. I can't be the only one in the room guilty talking like Moses to God. God, I don't have enough. I don't have enough strength to do that. I don't have enough faith for that. God, I don't have the talents for that. I, 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 I stutter, right? Everything Moses is saying, I can't, I don't have. And finally, God says, what do you have in your hand? What do you already have? Let's just use that. That's exactly what my dad was saying to me in the dream. Well, what do you have? You don't have full pieces? You don't have what you want? Okay, great, but what do you have? Well, I've got a broken piece. All right, let's use that. 
What do you have already? Let's use that. He's not trying, right, that famous phrase we've quoted several times here, right? God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called, right? He's already given you what you need. But now, yes, what he's calling, at some point, at some point, if God, if you don't feel like God is calling you something that's beyond you, I doubt whether you're hearing the call of God in your life. At some point in your life, God is going to be calling you something that you are going to tell him, I can't. I don't want to. I don't have what it takes. At some point, we all get to have that conversation with God. And God, he's such a good God, he doesn't doesn't kowtow and say, oh, okay, we'll do it your way. God never does that. He's like, no, this is what I want. What's already in your hand? What's already in your account? And I love this. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by your talent. It's not by your gifting. It's not by anything that anyone in this world would look at. It's actually just by my spirit. The same spirit that rose my son from the grave, he lives in you. The same spirit that Jesus actually performed. I I love this. I don't want to get on a tangent. But everything Jesus did in his earthly ministry, he said, I don't do anything except what the Father tells me to do, except he goes, I emptied myself. When I came to earth, I emptied myself. Equality with God, I let go of that. And he came and took the form of a man. Okay, I don't want to go into the whole tangent. He's 100% God, 100% man. Yes, he never lost his divinity, but at the same time, he let go of his power. Everything Jesus did in his ministry, it was not through the power of being God. It was actually being a man, being led by the Holy Spirit. Everything, every miracle Jesus performed was through the power of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Everything he calls us to do is not in my own power. It's not by my own might. It's not by my own wisdom. When I give you a sermon, it's not because I'm so intellectually smart. I'm not. It's only by his spirit. Oh, the only way you can grow and learn in this church is through his spirit somehow coming out of me and going and speaking into your life. If you're relying on my knowledge and my expertise, then we're doomed. Right? Right? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. The things that God is calling you to in ministry, it's not going to be by your great abilities. It's going to be by his spirit. I use these words build on purpose because I think there's things that God wants to do in your hands. This dream was not just for me. But as the pastor, God gave me a dream to share with you There's things that are in your account. There's things that are in your hands already that God wants you to do. And God is speaking to some of you, don't wait till you have all the resources. Don't wait till you have enough money. Don't wait till you have enough friends. Oh, man. Okay, I got to say this really quick. I heard a pastor share this one time before. Some of us use this analogy. Some of us, we pray and we ask God, God, I really want a chair, a chair to sit in. Like, God, I really want a chair. Can you give me a chair? Like, a really good-looking chair, one that's strong and sturdy, one that I can use my whole lifetime. Like, I really want a chair. Like, it would be really good for me. It would be good for your kingdom. I could use it in lots of ways. God, can you give me a chair? And God's answer is, well, I'll give you a tree. But God, I'm asking for a chair. Yeah, I'll give you a tree. What does that have to do with a chair, God? Put your hand to work. Do you see the chair in the tree? 
There's actually lots of chairs in that tree. There's sometimes we're asking God for certain things. We're saying, God, just give me this. Just give me more finances. Give me more this. And then this can happen. He's like, no, I actually already gave you what you need. I gave you a brain and two hands. Go use them. God, would you bring revival to America? I'll, I'll give you time to go pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. <laughs> right? God, can you give me a healthy marriage? How about I just give you an opportunity to die to yourself and treat your husband better than yourself? Ooh. Sometimes we don't like God's answers. But he's saying, yeah, I, I want you to have a healthy marriage. Uh, say this one. God, would you give me a, more health in my body? I'd like to feel healthy. Well, I'll give you a Lisa Jones, right? All, all these different things, right? God keeps saying these things. Right? We want these things, but God's like, I'll give you this. But there's this partnership. I love that in the dream, I wanted to get down and help my dad. But I was like, can you make it easy on me? Like, can you get a brand new one? And all I have to do is like hit, put two nails in and we'll be done. And he's like, no, let's work on this together. I'll come help you, but you got to get on your hands and knees. You got to start figuring out. I love that I had to fail several times. He didn't tell me off the get, oh, you're going to rotate it. This is that way. It's going to go right here. He's like, no, let's just use what we have. Go for it. Well, which way? Just start trying. This way, nope, that was a failure, but good job, you tried. Oh, okay, this way, nope, you failed again, but you tried, right? It's one of these things where we're not always going to get it right the first time. But we're building his house with mercy, not only mercy for other people, but mercy for ourselves. Praise God, he has mercy on me. Can I tell you that this dream, he was giving me confidence. That's one of the things I pray for often as a pastor. Sometimes I'm just not confident. I've shared with you several times, I don't feel like a natural-born leader. And I have to get past those emotions, past those thoughts. And God is just saying, would you just begin to be confident to try things and fail? And I'm right there with you. I'll show you. You tried, you failed. That's okay. I'm right here with you. I'll show you how to do it next time. <sighs> okay. So I don't have to get it right the first time? Oh, pressure falling off. I think the Lord is saying some of the things, same things to you guys. So build with mercy, build without more. You don't need more. You already have everything you need. You already have what it takes, whatever you want to put in the blank. Zechariah 4.10. Who has despised the day of small things or small beginnings? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Why did I put that second part of that verse in there? Because I felt like it's important. Even things I can't describe. It says this, the seven. As you're reading this, some commentators or scholars will say this might refer to Israel and all the you know, different people, leaders and priests that they're watching Zerubbabel, the king. Did I give you context of what this is all about too? Maybe I should step even further back, right? What's going on in the story of Zechariah? They're building the temple, not the first temple, the second temple. They're coming back from being captive for 70 years, right? Cyrus has issued the decree that, they, that after 70 years, the Israelites can go back into Jerusalem, back into Israel, and they've been building for years, and they've given up. They started building the temple right away. But as they saw the resources they had, the broken pieces that they were going to build a temple with, they got discouraged. The older generation said, oh man, I remember what Solomon's temple looked like. In today's costs, it would have been multi-billion dollars for one building. Not million, billions of dollars. That some historians say that 
Solomon's temple might have been the most expensive building to ever been built by humans, human hands. Remember, he was the wisest man, the wealthiest man to ever live. Solomon's temple was incredible. And now they're trying to rebuild the temple, and they're seeing these broken pieces. They're like, there's no way we can make it look like it used to. And they get discouraged. We can't do what we did before. And, God, and so the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah. He said, would you go encourage the people? Would you go tell them to keep building? Use whatever's in their hands. Use these things. And then he's telling them to rejoice. Rejoice in the broken things. Rejoice in the small things. Rejoice in whatever you do have. Stop thinking about what you don't have and start rejoicing with what you do have. Too many times I listen to the news and I think about how America used to be and all the things we don't have. And I begin to complain. And I feel like God is saying this morning, would you just start rejoicing in what you do have? On a national level, in your family. Oh, we used to do family devotions. We used to do this. Stop complaining about the used tos. Rejoice in what you do have now. I don't mean to get so serious. It's the same thing. I can complain and, and think about how I don't have my older sister anymore. How I don't have my brother-in-law. How we don't have people in our family that we used to have. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be sad and to mourn those things. But at some point, I've got to rejoice. I've got to rejoice. There's people, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. But even like I just sent a, a, a thank you note to Claudine. She, she gave me a gift. And I was like, do you realize you are like my sister Gina who passed away? God brought you into my life to be another Gina in my life. Someone who's classy, elegant, thoughtful, organized, all these things. Oh, I miss my sister. I can rejoice that God has brought someone else into my life. Not to replace her, but to remind me of her. There's things that God is doing. He wants us to rejoice maybe in the small things. Yeah, I don't have all this. Yeah, but I have this one little thing. Can you rejoice in it? Hmm. I love that God's word, it never... You can't say that God word, God's word contradicts itself, but at the same time, there's things that seem contradictory. Where he says in Zechariah, he says, not by might, not by power, right? He's saying that. It's not by your might. But then in Ecclesiastes, the wisest man ever to live, he says, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might, heart, strength. Do with all your might. Wait, so it's not by our might or it is by our might? Yes. yes. It's one of those things that God is calling us to do, now the fill in the blank, ordinary things in an extraordinary way. But this is just a, a common, ordinary, mundane, routine thing. Yeah, find a way to do it in an extraordinary way, full of joy, full of life, full of excitement. Rejoice in the small things. Hmm. All right. On purpose, I had you write down some notes. But if you grab that journal, not to re-preach this whole thing, but it's, it's called a soap journal. On those pages, it has the scripture, observation, application, prayer. You can read the beginning. It explains it all. I'm not going to do that now. But the idea is for you guys to have a resource to spend time with God. And the idea is you take scripture and you find out what stands out to me. And now how do I apply that to my life? So I'd love for us, as we're kind of finishing this morning, I talked about several different things. We read some scripture. I talked about a dream what is God saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What are you observing from this morning's message? I would love for you, whether you have a journal or just the backside of your note paper, I'd love for you to take a minute as the worship team comes on up. 
Think about, how does this apply to my life? Pastor was talking about a dream and how it applies to his life. God, what are you saying to my life? What does this look like for today, for this week? What can I do different? What do I need to change the way I think, the way I'm going to act, the way I'm going to serve people, the way I'm going to go do something? What is it, God, that I need to apply to my life? And I would love for you to write something down. There's something about writing things down. I know we can make decisions in our head, but would you just indulge your pastor and write something down? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Hmm. Is there a way of thinking that needs to change? Is there a willingness and openness that needs to happen? Does mercy need to triumph over judgment? Hmm. And as you finish writing those things, I'd love for you just to spend time with the Lord. We're going to sing another worship song. I'm going to encourage some of you, maybe you need to spend time just stay sitting down and start writing. Start talking to God through writing. Some of you, You need to stand up and start worshiping the Lord. Some of you, ah, there's more than, there's a handful, if not more, that I feel like the Holy Spirit would encourage you that you need to go share this with somebody else in the room to keep, maybe keep you accountable, but really just to pray over you and with you. That you can say, hey, I just need prayer before I leave. God's saying this, and I need to apply this to my life, and would you pray this over me? And then you be the hands and feet To ask them, okay, what's God saying to you? How can I pray over you? And for just this last moment of service to be just ministry. Ministry between you and the Lord. Ministry between one another. Be led by the Spirit. And follow the promptings. What is He saying to you? I've given you options. But take it before the Lord. Holy Spirit, what do you want? What are you saying? I want to hear your voice. I'll say a quick prayer and you're free to stand, you're free to join in worship, or free to just to, again, do what you gotta do. So God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it is a double-edged sword, that it pierces our hearts, God, that it, it convicts us and yet it encourages us and motivates us and, and, and causes us to move forward, God, in our relationship with you. So God, I pray that I would not be stagnant. I would not leave here the same way I came in but that your word would not return void and it would transform me by the renewing of my mind. That I would be a doer of your word today, not just a hearer only. God, I thank you for your message. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.